Well, we're talking about anxiety. And uh, the funniest thing was Nate was like, we're, we're doing the frequently asked questions. You're going to do the anxiety one. And, uh, and I've been thinking, like, what's the question? Anxiety. And that's the most anxious thing in the universe. There's not, it's just anxiety. And so that's the question uh, this evening. Let's pray and we're going to talk about it. Lord God, I thank you so much uh, for your word, Lord. I thank you that uh, when we sit here and uh, we open up the pages of your word, Lord, it's, it's your voice. Lord, we worship and, and we study a living, breathing God. And so when we hear your voice, when we hear your word, Lord, it's breathing and it's speaking and it's alive. And Lord, I pray that you will speak into our life uh, tonight or this evening, that we will experience you, we will encounter you. And Lord, as we kind of talk about this idea of anxiety, Lord, I pray that you'll just fill this place with peace, Lord, and uh, that we'll be able to experience the peace that you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, Nate is my older brother, uh, and we have matching mustaches now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, gosh, that stuff I need to prepare more too. But my my whole life uh, with Nate, he's like I'm like the classic little brother that like is just a pest. And uh, everything Nate does, I just need to do. I just have to do it. I mean, I just have to do it. And uh, and so growing up, like Nate got into skating, I got into skating. He got he like got over skating because I was doing moves to music, and then I like did that. Too. And then he's like, no, forget you. I'm going to surfing. He started surfing a lot. And then I just recently started surfing. So it's the whole thing. And um, and so, like, like growing up, I just like to kind of keep up with Nate. Nate's like, I don't know, 100 years older than me. And I just like to keep up. I'm little brother, and I just want to keep up. And so uh, a lot of times we'd do stuff. We'd be skating, and I'd be like seven years old or something. Nate's like 13. And there's like a big set of stairs. And, and like, Nate's doing it. So, like, I just got to do it, too. And, uh, but then I remember this one time we were at, like, these big, like, jumping cliffs in California. We were, like, jumping off of them into water. And uh, we were, like, going up. And there's, like, a big one. And then there's, like, a bigger one. And then there's, like, a bigger one. And so, like, we were on the bigger one. And it was, like, 70 feet or something. I mean, I don't know. That's 12-year-old me talk. People were putting shoes on to jump off of it because it, like, hurt their feet. And uh, so Nate and I, we want to do it. And like we like get up to the top and and Nate was encouraging me to do it. And what he encouraged me with was well, if you do it I'll do it. Which for me is like the encouraging. Like oh if I like you're going to get my back I'm going to I'm going to do it. Like now I kind of realize like Nate was scared and he was like well you do it and and then I'll do it. Right? So my message title this evening is if you do it I'll do it. I don't think that's the words I sent you. If you go, I'll go. That's the one. He's <laughs> same idea. Who cares? <clears throat> if you go, I'll go. There we go. I didn't have my notes up. <laughs> Should be more prepared. And we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about anxiety. Now, I've got some anxiety statistics for you guys that I find uh, pretty interesting. Uh one in three people from the, from the ages 13 to 18, or 13 to 19, excuse me, uh, experience anxiety. Now, the other two people are lying. Um, 
And from, from 2007 to 2012, the amount of people that identify themselves as experiencing anxiety uh, rose 20% just in the matter of five years. Now, uh, anxiety, for those who don't know, um, is the feeling of unease, nervousness, or worry, typically about something with an uncertain outcome. Right, so it's the jitters you get when you go into a history class for a test that you studied a lot for. You don't get anxiety if you didn't study. You just don't care, right? Uh, but you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so prepared. I'm so prepared. I'm so nervous. That's like kind of anxiety. Now, there's uh, another thing called anxiety disorder. Now, anxiety disorder is when that feeling of nervousness or unease is what you feel kind of track with me for a second, what you feel for the majority of the day, for most days, for six months or longer, okay? So that nervousness, those butterflies or those, those thoughts that kind of drive you crazy, that, that that's what you're feeling for the majority of the day, for most days, for six or more months. That's anxiety disorder, 38% of teenage girls have anxiety disorder. 38% of girls, teenage girls, experience the feeling of unease for the majority of the day, for the majority of days, for six or more months. 26% of teenage boys experience anxiety disorder. Now, uh, a couple years ago, in 2016, they, they did a survey that was a college freshman stepping on a campus kind of the first week. And uh, this, this guy with a microphone, I'm sure it had the little fuzzy thing on it, uh, is going around and he is saying, do you feel prepared? Do you feel capable for your college experience or do you feel anxious? 58% of people said, I do not feel prepared at all. The other 42% were lying. No, I'm just kidding. So, like, every th joke is the same. Uh, in 1985, in 1985, they did the same survey. So, the 2016 was a follow-up to the 1985 survey. The college freshmen, are, do you feel capable? Only 18% said that they, they were worried, that they were anxious. Just 30 years has gone by and 38% increase in college freshmen feeling overwhelmed and incapable of what they are going to experience in the future of their life. 38% of teenage girls experience anxiety disorder. 26% of teenage boys experience anxiety disorder. 58% of college freshmen feel overwhelmed by what they're getting into. Now, uh, a lot of causes for anxiety, the reason for this exponential increase within the past uh, 13 or so years is due to a lot of factors, but one of them is an increase in expectations for young people. And as everyone say amen. Now, it's an increase of expectations on young people, but the real catch is less of a reward. That there's an increase in expectation on you young people, but there's less time that they're like, hey, good job. Can we relate to that? It's like, oh, my, I, so, such high expectations with no one ever telling me that I'm doing it right. 
Now, that is one cause. Another leading cause is an increase in drills and lockdowns on schools. Just more fire drills and different kind of school shooting drills and all these things that have increased tremendously in the past 13 years. And then uh, another one that I'm forgetting because I should look at my notes more. Um, oh, social media. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just it, it, this, the facts thing is just like social media stinks. Um, but I don't know. Post that quote on Instagram for me. Um, but an increase, uh, social media and kind of comparison and looking at people and, and all that goes along with social media, the anxiety has just increased amongst young people in the past 13 years at a tremendous rate. Alongside anxiety going up, uh, we also see the increase in people that identify themselves as depressed. We see uh, more of a percentage of young people uh, self-harming and turning to substance abuse, and the list goes on. And people can attribute all of that to the increase of anxiety. Now, whew, I've been studying for this message all week, and I'll tell you what, when you think about anxiety all week, you feel weird. Now, along with the increase of anxiety, the amount of money that goes in to the research of treating anxiety has gone up through the roof. It's an estimation that there is about $1 trillion a year that is used somewhere to treat anxiety. Whether it's research in, in anxiety, whether it's people paying for therapy, or whether it's people pay, paying for uh, prescription drugs, or whatever it is, a $1 trillion a year is spent for the sake of anxiety. Whew! Now, with that, the research has, has gone insane. And they discovered this treatment called the CBT treatment. CBT treatment. Not the BLT treatment, right? It's like, oh, lunch joke. CBT treatment, which is, gosh, I'm spacing on the word, cognitive behavioral treatment. So what this treatment is is that they've discovered there's a ton of money going into the research. And uh, cognitive behavioral treatment is you sit down with someone, you have anxiety, you, you're, you're facing anxiety, the feeling of unease and, and nervousness. And then there's another person that is in the room with you, okay? And, and the CBT treatment, you sit and you tell them about it. That's it. Now, the CBT treatment is responsible for 60% of people that overcome their anxieties. 60% is you sit down in a chair, and there's another person right there, and, and you talk about it. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Point number one is anxiety is real. So I think people need to know that. But it's not your only option. 
Now, I think it is hilarious, funny, that we have seen in the past 13 years an incredible increase of people with anxiety, thus an incredible increase of research Like, how do we overcome this? It it is terrible what these young people are going through. It is horrible that everybody is feeling anxious and and, and worried and stressed and and all that comes along with anxiety. We need to put an end to it. Now, so much research and so much uh, drug research and all these things, and the best 60% of people that overcome it, the reason is sitting and talking it out. And now in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, The Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago in a jail cell on death row, he wrote, Be anxious for nothing but by everything prayer and supplication. Does anyone know what prayer is? Sorry, Sorry, say that again. Talking to God. I just think it's funny how... With all the research that has gone into it and and everything, they kind of just now are catching up to what the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. Paul wrote, Paul was sitting there. He he was, like I said, he was in a jail cell. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. He he, he chains on his hands and on his feet. He is going to be put to death in a, I mean, I'm anxious just thinking about it. I'm like incredibly claustrophobic. So, with, with that, and he sits there and he goes, be anxious. He's encouraging someone else. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, sit down with God on the other side of the room and talk it out with him. Now, anxiety is real. I want to say that. I, wanna, I, I just want to say real quick, I spent most of my life, probably well over half of my life, hearing that people were anxious and had anxiety, and I thought it was fake. I'm like, dude, you're just doing it for attention. That's like what I always thought. Like a friend of mine had pretty bad anxiety. And I remember going on a plane with him. And he's like taking anxiety medication to go on the airplane. And I'm like, dude, that's so dramatic. Just like sit down. And thinking that it's not real. And thinking that he's doing it for attention. But let me, let me just say this. This wasn't even part of my notes. But if your friend is doing something like that for attention, give it to him. Are you for real? Can we talk about this? Because I don't want to be the guy that a couple years later when that ruins his life or, or something worse happens, and I'm like, oh, he was for real? You know what I mean? So anxiety is real, but it's not our only option. Sometimes when we feel anxious, when we feel stressed out, that feeling of nervousness or unease that is overwhelming and all-consuming, and it's the only thing that we think about, and we're like, Lord, when is this going to be over? The best thing that we can do is pray to God. Because when we open up to God, It allows him to step in to our lives. The reason why the CBT treatment works so well is in this article that I was reading, it described it like this, and I think it's amazing. When you open up about your anxiety to someone else, it allows them, this is what it said, to step into your world of anxiety and to help you navigate through it. I think that's powerful. Because especially me experiencing anxiety, and it's just... For me, the best way I can describe it is just a swirl of emotions that is caused by nothing that's right here. Sometimes it gets like, and, and most of the time it's just like this. And, and for me, I can't, I can't describe it, but to imagine someone stepping into that and moving that swirl of emotions around and helping me navigate is incredibly powerful. And when we open up to God in prayer, God steps down into our world, grabs us by the shoulder, and helps us navigate through it. Let's look at Psalm chapter 23 real quick. This is a psalm written by King David. 
And this is, uh, I think, a, somewhat of a sales pitch to, a, uh, to someone. It's like, should I, should I open up to God and, and help allow him to help me navigate my life or should I not? And this is a sales pitch. Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, King David was in a pretty similar situation to Paul, and I think it's funny that uh, some people that are in like the worst situations ever have like these profound thoughts kind of in the idea of peace. And uh, King David was, he was going to become the king of Israel but um, at this time, the previous king has got a bounty on his head and is trying to kill him. So he's like hiding. And now he sits down and he writes, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's like he leads me by still green pastures and by still waters. And then my favorite thing that he says is that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Now I think... What he's talking about is, is amazing because when, when we are feeling anxious, for me, I think we just want it to be taken away. Now, oftentimes, I feel as if I am stuck in my anxiety. Like, I have these concrete shoes on, and I'm, like, trying to get out of, of this state that I'm in of just worrying and stressing and, and feeling butterflies in my tummy and just, like, wanting whatever I'm stressing out to, about to just be over. Like, can it just be past that? Like, can it just be Thursday night at, like, 9 o'clock and, and I can stop stressing about this? And, and I just want it to be over. But when David writes, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, the, the thing that's causing anxiety did not go away. What, what happened was God stepped down into David's little world of anxiety, and he br brought a picnic basket and a blanket. And he said, hey, you're here. I'm here. Let's eat. Let's hang out. Let's fellowship. Hey, that anxiety, let's like talk about the anxiety. Now, my, my second point this evening is anxiety is a feeling and not a place. Anxiety is a feeling and not a place. We're not stuck in anxiety, but we feel anxiety. That means that no matter where we go, this is kind of like a depressing view on it, no matter where we go, that anxiety is going to follow. Whether it's high school, whether it's college, whether it's work, whether it's in your future marriage or trying to raise kids or, or, or in retirement, anxiety and stress will be there. So we need to learn that no matter where we go, it's going to be there. But that also means that we're not stuck in it. We, we, can, we can overcome this. And, and God says that he will come with us. He will go with us. He will go before us, and he will prepare a table for me. 
I, I, I like the word prepared because it's like the idea that, that David got there and it was ready. God beat him to it. Like, I knew, that, I knew what you will be anxious about, and I'm waiting for you, and we're going to hang out, and we're going to have a meal together, and, and God is going to give David peace. So prayer is the window or the door that we open for God to step down into our world of anxiety. It's not going anywhere. It's in us. No matter where we run, it's going to be there. But God is going to be with us through it. And he's going to prepare a table. He's going to fellowship with us. He's going to always be there to listen to us and to talk things out. And, and when that happens, it says that in Philippians 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I think I might be ending a little early, but I'm going to call the worship team up anyways. And uh, you guys can get ready. And I've got a story, so, I mean, that could go 45 minutes if you let me. Um, When I, in in middle school, anybody ever been to middle school? (laughs) Yeah, sick, shout out. Just give middle school, fifth grade, ninth grade, let's go. Um, when I was in middle school, I was like a, a bring-your-own-lunch soldier, okay? I only brought my own lunch, okay? I was like, I was real about that. Because my mom offered to make me lunch every morning, and uh, she made it well. So I was like, let's do this thing. Now, uh, I... I was a, I was a legend, okay, in middle school. Like I peaked so hard in middle school. I, I in sixth grade I pulled up uh, to school halfway through the year and just being an icon and coming in with my Toy Story lunchbox that was OG from 1991 or whatever when the first one came out. Like retro Toy Story lunchbox packed in my Toy Story lunchbox was a turkey sub. Okay, Miss Vicky's jalapeno chips. Yeah, you know what's up. Uh, Arizona green tea because, <laughs> and uh, and zebra cakes. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Now, now every day I I came to school and I was very very content with my with my box of lunch, right? With my Toy Story lunchbox. Uh, seventh grade was the Mystery Machine lunchbox, and eighth grade was the Spongebob lunchbox. And, uh, and so I came every day, same meal. Turkey sub. I don't want to tell you what's on it because it's honestly embarrassing. Miss Vicky's chips, Arizona green tea, and zebra cakes. It was uh, ranch dressing, Swiss cheese, <laughs> and uh, bell peppers. And every day I would come with the same lunch, and I and I never I never had the desire for hot lunch, or anything. But uh, then I I got to the point in eighth grade where the the hot lunch people they were like, we're introducing a new menu item, and it's chicken nuggets, and they were banging. They were the best chicken nuggets I have ever had in my entire life with the best honey mustard. I'm not even lying. It was amazing. I dream about it all the time. And so I started I started coming. With uh, with my lunchbox full of full of my food, 
and seeing everybody with the chicken nuggets, they started doing this thing where every day of the week you could just go pay a dollar and you get a thing of chicken nuggets every day. No matter, even if you're not on the hot lunch schedule, you can just go while supplies last. No matter what meals, like pizza rolls, chicken nuggets. It's like chicken Caesar salad wraps, chicken nuggets every day. And, and so I, I started being envious of these other people that had, had the chicken nuggets. And so I came and... Uh, and, and I started telling my mom, like, hey, do you think you could pack me an extra pack of zebra cakes? Because I want to try to trade this stuff for chicken nuggets. So, so every day, again, like the little soldier I was, I would have this. You couldn't leave your table or anything or really even talk. But, you know, with winks and middle school movements, you get the, the chicken nuggets in exchange for the zebra cake. Now, to me, the, the zebra cakes were meaningless. It was extra. It was added into the lunchbox, and it was just there to take up space. Now, that was what the zebra cakes were to me. I don't want to eat four zebra cakes. Like, nobody should ever eat four zebra cakes. And so I wanted the, the chicken nuggets. They were, they were meaningless to me, and so I traded for, for the chicken nuggets, which meant the world to me. Now, When we come to God with our anxieties, with our worries, with the extra that is packed in, the, the baggage that we come along that is meaningless to us, but it is, it is causing so much pain in our lives. And, and we come to God with anxiety. It's not a really good, uh, the zebra cake thing. I mean, it wasn't painful, but you know what I mean. And, and we, we come to God and we make this trade with God. Now, we, we trade God our anxiety, we take our anxiety, and we come to God through prayer, through allowing him to come and, and, and to fellowship with us and to talk with us, and we give God our anxiety. The exchange is that he gives us peace. God gives us peace. Now, the anxiety, I, I have been trying all week to try to explain in a nutshell what my anxieties feel like or what causes them, and I can't. I, I have been anxious over the dumbest things in the universe and not anxious over the biggest things ever. And, and I can't, I mean, I, I was like, oh, maybe it's just the start of something new. Like, I, I feel anxious. And then I start something new, and it's fine. But then I go to, to work some Friday after taking a four-day family vacation, and at lunchtime I can't even eat because I'm crippled with emotions and feelings, and I don't know what's going on. I mean, let's be honest. That's what anxiety is. It's like I'm stepping into this, and I'm fine. As you're walking on eggshells, you're like, because it's the baggage that you carry with you that's extra that you don't want. And it just comes over you, and you don't know what to do with it. You come to God through prayer, and he gives you peace, and it's equal it's a good trade. It's an even trade. Now, I think zebra cakes and chicken nuggets are an even trade. It's a pretty good trade. They're banging. Zebra cakes are good. And, and, and when we come to God with our anxiety and we give him peace, it's an even trade. Because our anxiety is undescribable. It will never understand it. Well, it doesn't make any sense. I can't track any reason why I feel anxious, but I do. Now, what God offers is a peace that is equal to our anxiety, a peace that is undescribable, or as the Apostle Paul says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. 
It's a peace that is evenly matched to our anxiety. We're not giving God our anxiety and he gives us kind of like a little teaspoon of peace. Uh, The anxiety that is overwhelming, that overflows our life, it's all we think about. It's all we focus on. It's all we experience. God offers peace that is equal to that. That when, when we feel the peace of God, it is overwhelming. It is indescribable. It is overflowing. In all, it's all we think about. It's all we experience. And that's what God is offering. It's an even trade. It's not even if, if I gave someone the chicken nuggets and I really wanted it. And they didn't really want it. That's not an even trade, right? God invites us. What Paul says, he says, be anxious for nothing by everything, prayer and supplication. Jesus would say, lay your burdens down on me. He says, I want them. He says, in fact, I'm going to beat you to it. I'm going to go to where your enemies are. I'm going to go to where your anxiety is. And I'm going to get it all nice and comfortable for you. And I'm going to be waiting for you to come into fellowship with me. And by prayer, you're going to lay them down on my feet because, oh, I want them so bad. Jesus wants your anxieties because he wants to give you peace. He wants to to flood your life with peace. He wants you to to experience something that is is undescribable. You'll never understand it. You're like, I don't know how I feel like this right now because that is not how I usually feel. Because God wants your anxiety because he wants you to see see it be overcome. Let, Let me tell you this, that any worry or any problem or anything you've ever faced, or anything you're going to face, God has already overcome it. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for problems that were past, present, and future. That God died for everything you're going to face. He has already overcome it, and he wants to give you peace through it. All we need to do, the only thing we need to do, is sit down at the table with Jesus to open up about our anxiety, to allow him to step down into our little anxious world that is the dumbest thing in the universe. And he, he helps us navigate through it. He gives us peace through it. Now, we're not stuck in anxiety. It's not something that, that we can't get out of. It's not a place that we need to run away from and get to a new place. But to overcome and to feel peace, you need to run to Jesus. Lord God, I pray that that 